This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Great stuff. So turn to your neighbor and say, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? We are doing um, a series and... uh, Father, we want to thank you for your word that gives light. It's living, it's powerful than any two-edged sword. Thank you for good ground for our hearts to receive your word. Lord, that it will cut between soul and spirit tonight. That indeed, Lord, we will not be carnal Christians, but people that have got a great hunger and a thirst for your righteousness. And we want to thank you for the cross, Lord, because Without the cross, we are absolutely nothing. We have nothing to bring to you. Our words will be just vain repetitions. But because of the blood of Jesus, Lord, we can stand before you as sons and daughters. And we want to thank you that you've called me, just simple human people like us, to reflect your glory and to bring your message to a broken world. Here we are, Lord. Change us so that you can change the world around us. Work in us, Lord, to work through us. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher, you're the guest of honor here tonight. And we acknowledge your work. We acknowledge, Lord, your life in us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our theme scripture is out of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 17, verse 26 to 30. I'm not going to read it. But yeah, at a stage, um, there's Goliath shouting at the people of God and David comes onto the scene, uh, small little David, he's been looking after the, the um, sheep and his father sent him and so his brother gets onto him and he says to like, like why, who are you? <laughs> yeah, why, why have you come here? He says three things, the first thing, why did you come down here? You don't belong here, that's what the devil accuses us as Christians of, you don't belong here, you, you don't have an identity, you don't you're not worth anything. And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Even what you're doing is, is so insignificant. You will never amount to anything. And then the third thing you ask him, his own brother, is he attacked the motivation of his heart. That accusation, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And sometimes he even uses other people around us to speak those words of death or those lies over us. And so David had to face that. But we know that David didn't respond and try to defend himself and say like, oh, you know, uh, do you know what? My father really sent me, so I've come here not just on my own, you know, but he says simply, is there not a cause? And he goes around and he asks this question, is there not a cause? Is it not the cause of Christ? Is it not something bigger than you even trying to attack me? Because the devil wants us to focus on ourselves many times. He wants you to have self-pity and always think like you're worthless and so in the, in the middle of this, we realize that God wants to raise up a group of people that are worshipers. Not because we are so great or because we can sing nice songs. Because worship is really your life. And so we started to progress along this road, you know, of what does it mean to be laborers in the kingdom of God. God does not want us to go to events. He does not want us just to have a happy hour you know happy hour on a Sunday but on Monday we miserable people on Monday we can't minister to others no the Sunday Christian and the Saturday night Christian and the Monday morning Christian must be the same Christian I mean you know so I love it I went to visit Chris here a friend of mine and his wife sitting in front and uh, at his business they're massive they've got a little laundromat there in Cape Town you know a small laundromat how much laundry do you do per day 15 tons of laundry per day. So it's a little laundromat there. It's quite big. It's bigger than this place we're sitting in, you know. And, um, and there, he, he, didn't sw- he doesn't switch off his Christianity when he gets there because his workers know that he's a Christian. You know, before the drought came in Cape Town, the Lord spoke to him and said, you must recycle the water. Crazy stuff. And he invested, eh? Just correct me. A year before that, invested in everything just... Got a recycling plant that you can't, you know, that doesn't exist. So the Holy Spirit is right there in his engineering job. And then the drought struck, you know. And guess who's smiling? Chris, because he's following God and the Holy Spirit. Not just when he reads his Bible, but because 
Jesus is really Lord of his business as well, of his marriage, of his relationships, of his children. <laughs> Jesus is either Lord of all these or Lord, not Lord at all. And so Jesus sends out these 70 laborers in Luke chapter 10. Exciting. They are clueless. And he sends them. We saw, um, <clears throat> and we spent a lot of time on this, but after these things in Luke 10 verse 1 to 12, these things the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So the Lord appoints, the Lord sends you, he sends you in agreement with other believers two by two, he sends you out of a place of intimacy before his face and he sends you to co-labor or not to work for him because he is going to follow up the ministry and he's working with you. Lots of things you can just read out of that first two verses. And then he says there's a problem. There's a crisis in the church. There's a crisis of consumerism, of comfort. And I said to you that the, the prayers of the Western church and the prayers of the Middle Eastern church, the persecuted church, are completely different. They say all the church in the West basically prays for comfort. Lord, please help me with this, help me with this. And when you do this, then I'm going to do that. Most of the church in the Middle East prays for persecution and say, Lord, please increase the persecution so that we can become more holy. There, if you want to become a member of the church, you're not allowed to visit the church within nine months. You must first bear fruits in Iran before you can go to church. You must first bear fruits of your repentance. Ooh. Uh, 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 no, hallelujah. I wanted to say something. The problem is, say it, say it, you know. Some of us come in here with our slip-slops, you know. We, it's the more important at the beach, you know. We haven't even prepared our hearts when we come to church. And then we're waiting for the pastor to entertain us. Oh, his jokes was a bit flow. His jokes was a bit flow, you know. Didn't like his jokes. I don't like short people, you know. I'm not referring to myself for in case. You have not seen how tall this angel is. But in any case, so. But sometimes we want entertainment. We, 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 we're psyching ourselves up, you know. So I want to challenge you. When you come to church, come with a notebook, come with a pen, come to learn, come to grow, come to be challenged. Don't just sit and be a consumer because you're going to walk out that door and you're going to forget everything we said. If you're not already, and we're going to talk about being intentional and being urgent. Because this is what this whole passage is about. And I've sort of taken another angle to give you some stuff on what this passage is about. Because it says, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The world out there is waiting for real Christianity, authentic Christianity to manifest. Not fake, not religious, not like, hey, how do you do? Do you take the cookie and dip it in? Or do you sprinkle the cookie? Or what's your doctrine about this? Sometimes we get so stuck on stuff. And the world is saying like, what? But show me real Jesus. I love what Reinhard Bonke says. He says, preach the original gospel and you'll get the original results of that gospel. Preach a diluted gospel and you'll have no power. So sometimes we build church around the needs of people and not around the needs of God. But I want to just say, this church, we say, Jesus, come and build your church. If we have to say tough stuff, we have to say tough stuff. Now he sends them in verse 3, go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Woo, not an easy job. Lambs among wolves. <laughs> he says, Christianity is tough. It's not an easy road. You have to count the cost. But I send you. I send you in agreement. I send you in. A, then he says, verse 4, Cather, carry neither money bag, knapsack. No, you don't know what a knapsack is. Neither do I. Nor sandals and great no, greet no one along the road. He says, don't worry about provision. But especially when you go, don't get distracted. Because when we greet people around, along the road, it can take us hours. You know, especially the FOMO people. Any FOMO people here? Raise your hand very high. Raise your hand. I'll see it as a sign of repentance, you know. The extroverts, you know. I'm like that. I go to the shop. My wife Louise asked me to buy three things. I come back with ten, but it's not those three things. Because I've greeted everyone along the road. And then I think like I can make up with buying chocolates and sweeties and all the other stuff. 
And I need a word of knowledge in the aisle to say, Lord, what did she say, you know? But I've learned, hallelujah, we have technology. So I type it in, in my memo. But it says, when you go, don't get distracted. Don't greet people along the road. The greatest challenge in the church in the West is a wasting of time, God's time. How many of you have got, still got grandmothers and grandfathers that live? They'll probably tell you most of the time. Not like, oh, I wish when I was 25 I drove a better car. They're all going to tell you time flies. Things were so quickly. Just the other day, you were like this. You, you were like small like this. And they take, still take your cheeks and go, oh, oh, you say, grandma. Yeah. But it's crazy how time flies. Scripture says your life is but a breath. And a twinkling of an eye. And so the devil sets us up. So Jesus teaches his disciples and says, when you go, be focused. When you go, don't, it's not about being nasty with people, you understand. It's not like say like, oh, let's be stiff, stiff upper lip Christians, you know. It says, when you go, don't get distracted. And then he goes on with this beautiful story because he says, but whatever house you enter first, say peace to this house. He says, you come prepared to the house. You are intentional about what house you're even going to stay in. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. He says the, the power of the Christian walking into a place, the power of the Christian being intentional and focused because you prayed and you, you said, Lord, we, we want your blessing to flow on this place. But when I come there, something is going to begin to change in those lives. Even Why? Because I represent God. He says, so you have the power to release God's peace. You don't, if you know what authority you have as a Christian, wow. There's an authority to speak something, to pray something. <laughs> he says, and remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as I said before you, and heal the sick there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. What powerful words. <laughs> he says, when you get there, you're going to see signs and wonders. You're going to and heal the sick there. It's, it's not like, you know, some people think that the gospel is like this nice message and then maybe sometimes signs and wonders. He says, no, preach the gospel and heal the sick and cast our demons. And it's not an awe situation. Or maybe some super spiritual Christians must pray for the sick. How many of you in this room, and this is not now like, oh, she's got sin. It's not, no, no. How many of you have got some sort of sickness in this room, just some sort of pain in your body or sickness? Raise your hand quickly. Just raise it. Lift it up high. It's not, a, it's not a, like, oh, look at all the sinners. No, no, just lift, lift up your hands high. Some sort of sickness or physical sickness. Lots of people. Do you know why people are sick in this place? Because nobody, when they walked in here, asked the people around them, can I pray for you for something? Because it's not our culture. If you preach Jesus as a healer, you will heal. If you preach Jesus as a deliverer, he will deliver. If you never trust him, if you don't have faith that he's going to heal people, then sometimes he's not going to heal. Why? Because of our unbelief. So Jesus says, be urgent, be intentional. Don't be driven. I'm not, we're not talking about being performance orientated and doing 50 things for Jesus until you get tired, burned out, and you think like, oh, I'm a worm. This is about doing the will of God, being intentional, being urgent about the cause of Christ in your life. And he says, it's so beautiful when you get into that house. Don't go from house to house. Don't jump up and down. Don't, don't be frantic. Why? Because I will lead you. I will show you. I remember, and I have to tell you this story. So the first time I went to India, incredible India, you know, I vowed to the Lord. I said, never in my, in my life again will I go back to India. And that's rule number one. Never tell the Lord never, okay? I almost died. You know, the guy who sent us there, um, thought that it was very nice, so we, we flew out to Mumbai, which is on the west coast, and, um, and then he booked us on a third class ticket, a train ticket, where we had to stand for uh, almost 56 hours, uh, 
and um, to the east side to Chennai, Chennai on the east coast. And um, he thought it was just fun to give us a bit of exposure to India. So we were standing like this in this train with Indians can, they have no social distance, no, absolutely no social distance. So when they announced that in India lockdown, I thought, oh, it's definitely not going to work, you know. Yeah, make your, your three centimeters, five centimeters with social distancing. What about 1.5 meters? There's just no space. In, you know, India's going to fill the world if everyone has to stand at 1.5 meters away from each other. But in any case, leave that alone. So here we're traveling on this train to the East Coast. Now, Chennai, you must know, it's just before the monsoon. The humidity is high. It's the average degrees is 52 in the day. It cools down in the evening to 48. Whoa, have a break, you know. So, whoo, four, 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 four degrees later, you know. So here we're standing on this train, and in the middle of the night, somewhere there's a place, because India has got the highest um, amount, number of, of leprous people in the world, le many leprous colonies. I think India has more than 70 million blind people. So... It's just different. India is just different. And so in the middle of the night, there's a whole leprous colony that gets onto the train and crawls. Now, leprosy is when your flesh rots, okay? So with high humidity, with people all over the place, people crawling underneath the places where we're sitting, we begin to smell that smell of death. That was my first experience to India. I think for about 12 hours, I tried to vomit out of the, the window, but I couldn't. But I was just standing like this because there was just so many people. And I said, Lord, never again. Never again. Hallelujah. I've been there 21 times. But in any case, so that's not the story I want to tell. So eventually we end up going to Hyderabad. And then from there to Bangalore. And we had to fly to northern parts. There's a small place Chuni we went to, you won't even find it on a map. There's only 1.2 million people living in Chuni, but it's too small to be on the map of India. So you must know there's a lot of people in India. But so in any case, so here we fly, we get onto this jet, and it is crazy. It's called Spice Jet. Just, just the name tells it all. So it's one of those crazy experiences we get on. They don't book your seat on the Spice Jet. You have to run to the aeroplane. So, so it's quite far away. You, you sprint. You out-sprint everyone else to get a seat. So yeah, Stefan and I, we run. We get there. Eventually, we just get right at the back. And then they don't switch on the aircon until the airplane is about to leave. So you sit and sweat. You've just sprinted half a kilometer in that humidity. You get back. And so, so here we go. We're on SpiceJet. Now, finally, we're going to fly. We go onto the air, airstrip. The next moment, the airplane just goes up. It stops. And there over the intercom, the lady announces, Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, could you please evacuate the airplane because there are fuel gushing out of the bottom of the airplane? <laughs> I'll say it in pure English. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, could you please evacuate the airplane because there's fuel gushing out of the bottom of the airplane? So here we just jump out and we run. Get out of the airplane. So that's, now we're sitting there. We're getting back, and there's no flights out. We're sitting in this little hall, and there are probably a thousand people screaming and shouting. And so in that chaos, the Holy Spirit says to me, take your passport and take Stefan's passport and go through this crowded place and go right to the front. Because in the right in the front, now people are pressing. It's chaos. People are screaming. And so we're going, and there's two little tables with two little officials. The Lord says, I'm going to provide for you. I'm thinking like, oh, we, we sweated, we ran, we've been traveling, all that stuff. So eventually, and I'm, I'm big in India, so at least I can push myself through the crowd. So I, I push through, I push through, and the people are, and it takes me about 15 minutes to get to the front. As I get to the front, there's two officials sitting at this table with the two passports and our two tickets. And I say, sir, I don't know why, but the Holy Spirit told me to come here. Huh? And the guy just looks like, and he says, I'm here. The next moment, the phone rings. He picks up the phone, and he frowns, and he looks. He sits down the, puts down the phone, and he says, there's five people allowed to go to the Seven Star Hotel. 
the first five passports I get, and I throw the passports at <laughs> Oh, hallelujah, we slept in a seven-star hotel. Why am I telling that story, you know? Because even in the middle of chaos, you have to listen to what the Holy Spirit says. You don't panic. So that's what Jesus is teaching. When you're going to a place and the people don't receive you, just, just say, hey, I'm going to move on. Because I'm not doing it for God. I'm not doing it because I'm religious. I'm doing it because I know I have life with Christ. And so intentional people, and this is what we, uh, John Yip shared so beautifully with us last week. If you have not been here, we'll post it on the groups again. And we're going to give you a 17-pager on primary purpose versus secondary purpose. Okay, so just the next slides with those. All of us have a primary purpose. As a laborer in the kingdom of God, your primary purpose is three parts. And this applies to everyone. You have a great, there's a great commandment, there's a great commission, and there's a great Commission, commandment, and another commandment. Creation, commandment. Oh, yeah, sorry, the one on top. So John Yip explained it beautifully to us. Listen to the sermon last week if you missed that. All of us worship the Lord, go and reach the world, and take care of creation. And so he explained what is our primary purpose in life for all Christians. And then there's a secondary purpose that we need to discover you, God, the context that God has placed you in. And there's a 17 pager we'll put on the info groups that you can work through a workbook that will help you to discover what are the things that I'm excited about that God has placed over my life. Maybe it's just engineering or creativity. And so we're not going to go into that. He shared a whole sermon just on that with a lot of slides that were also there. So we're not going to go back into that. But you need to discover why am I here? So we're talking about being intentional, living a life of urgency and intentionality. The greatest things in the church is not the immorality and the problems. It's being distracted. It's not being intentional. That's why Jesus says when you go, focus. Look at the life of Jesus. John chapter 2 verse 4. Jesus said to a woman, a woman at the well, what does it concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. John 12, 27, now my soul is troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose, I came to this hour. Next slide. John 13, verse 1, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own word in the world, he loved them to the end. John 17, verse 1, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. Imagine living 33 years for one hour. Thirty-three years for one hour. I love that story that Stephen Lungu tells when he was in Joburg and he preached and or he they set him up for a big meeting, the whole band, pastor, wife, and one person came. The pastor said, oh, um, Stephen, please, let's rather go eat. He said, no, I prepared a sermon. And one came. So he preached his heart out. And one responded. He said it was the best response ever. He had a 100% altar call. He's never had a 100% altar call in his life before. Because that one guy came to the front, wept, gave his heart to the Lord. A couple of years later, I think it was in Zambia, at a big conference, somebody walks up to him and says, well, Stephen, thank you for being faithful. I'm that one guy that responded, and I've, I'm a pastor of more than 2,000 people in a church today. Sure. You see, you never know who's going to be the next child you encounter that will become the president of South Africa. You never know who's going to be that one person that you maybe lay hands on. Why? Because you are intentional as a Christian. You're living with an urgency. I'm not talking about an overtly spirituality because some people they say is so spiritually minded that they're of earthly no use. <laughs> no, I'm not going to pick up my socks because the Lord told me, you know. So be careful of the people that just always say, the Lord told me, you know. 
Because to have the supernatural in your life, you need to have the natural in order first. Because natural means, supernatural means over and above the natural. If the natural in your life is in complete chaos, the supernatural will not be a blessing to your life. We want revival, but we don't want to pray. We want revival from God, but we don't want to fast and seek His face. You'll have no revival. We'll get deceived. Because if the natural is not in place, there cannot be a supernatural. So living with intentionality, I'm giving you 11 points. And I'm going to run through it quickly. That I learned out of this scripture and what Jesus taught these disciples. Intentional people have the following. They are disciplined. Like I said, they're not focused on being driven. They're not focused on being super Christians. They're just disciplined. And they do not waste time. If you don't plan your life, if you don't focus and you discipline yourself to spend time with God. No, but you know, I, I, just, I just float into this life. I got a re really ouch moment this morning when I said to the church, you know, yeah, yeah, you moan about two hours church, but you've been on the bicycle four hours yesterday in the mountains. Who's your God? Come on. Ouch. No, no, you know, but I'm planning on BTK, you know, BTK. I'm going to walk tomorrow on the BTK for a week. Great. Uh, are you taking God along? Have you even decided to put in your Bible? Come on. Say ouch. Say ouch. Yeah. When you get to heaven, you're going to sing holy, holy, holy with the angels for the first million years. Who's going to stand up and say, oh, that's boring. We sang that song too many times tonight, you know. Just, just next song, next, next song. You know, I have a pizza appointment later, you know. Just like, oh, soccer. You never walk alone. Liverpool, yeah. But see, you need to be disciplined. You need to spend time with God. You cannot spend two minutes with God and say he's Lord of your life. If you're spending two minutes, get around to somebody and say, hey, I want to make it four tomorrow. Just take one step further. Just take one. Don't, don't say I need to two hours because you know those first years, those New Year's resolutions, they don't work. They work for a week. Okay? Diets don't work. Ooh, some people are smiling. But in any case, the second thing is intentional people live simplistic lives. And that means that you live a life of thankfulness. The simple things of life. Consumerism, greed, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. We are consumed by those things because, you know, the advertising business changed in 1970. It changed from, hey, this is a good product to, hey, I'm going to tell you, you need something that you don't really need. I'm going to create a need. All of the media is about that, creating a narrative. All of the fashion is all, you know, they've already decided the color of 2052. I'm joking, joking, you yeah? know. But it's crazy because we want to be in and then we lose the simplicity of life, especially because of this. We get so bombarded with information. That relationship is not important anymore. And we lose our thankfulness. The other day I set up a guy I went to. I'm very intentional, by the way, sometimes, and I pray about stuff. And so I, I decided, because this guy's very negative. Always, he, always has, he always moans, and he's always got something, you know. So I decided I'm going to set him up. Three hours, he was going to get married, and I thought, like, I'm going to climb a mountain with him because I love climbing mountains. I really believe God speaks to you when you're on a mountain. Most of the people got revelation on a mountain because then your problems, Stellenbosch, becomes that small when you're up there. So get into nature, spend time in nature, and see how God speaks to you. Romans 1 says it. But so, when I got into the car with him, I just started to be thankful. I said, wow, do you know that only 4% of the world, no, no, 3% of the world actually has their own cars. We're so privileged. 
Wow. Sure. Look at the road. Because people pay their taxes here, we actually have amazing roads in the Western Cape. You should go to India. It's just crazy. There's just no roads, no robots, nothing works in India. Here, stop street still means stop, not go. Red means red, not green. Yeah? It's amazing. Wow. Look at the mountains. How many Joe Burgers come here and then they say like, wow, people, you are so privileged. You have mountains. How many free state people came and say like, wow, I always thought the hill was a mountain, but now I know what a real mountain is. I'm talking about that signal hill or what's that thing there in Bloemfontein? But in any case, that one. But we live here and we, we don't see why, because we get drawn into a complicated life. It's the simple things of life. That's why children are the most pure and innocent. You can buy your children 50 different toys and all that stuff. They get so bored and then you just leave them there somewhere with sticks and stuff. They'll play the whole day. Simplistic lives. With that comes contentment and being teachable. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. But we, we've become impulsive. We've become consumers. So I want the next best thing. I want to show people on Instagram what my weekend was like, you know. And I want to pretend. And I, I want to sort of, I, I, there's always the next thing, but it becomes so lustful. It becomes so much greed. It becomes, and you know, the problem with lust and greed is you'll never have enough. You'll never be sufficient. Because there's no responsibility that you take. There's no place where you say, like, I need to count the cost. That's why even the concept of love, the center part of love in Scripture is sacrifice, not feeling. The center of the idea of God's unconditional love is always sacrifice, not feeling or emotion. And we've been driven by a society that says, feel good, feel this, don't commit in your relationships. Oh, number four, it's getting very quiet here. Submitting to the fear of God, not the fear of man. Number five, they are eternally minded, not worldly minded. Sure. I'm, I'm going to give you homework now, now, so hang in there. People that are intentional have real, real good relational boundaries. They're not just floating in and floating out. They, they know how to respect and they know how to say yes and to say no. Many times you have to learn to say no. Because if you say no to something, you say yes to something greater. Say yes to spending time with God. A little bit more no to go to the beach and do all the socials. It's getting quiet in you. Hallelujah. Intentional people live a life of obedience as a form of worship, and that means I, I'm going to self-deny myself. Matthew 16, 24 says, unless you deny yourself. If you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross. Intentional people live by faith, not unbelief and fear. We don't make our decisions based on fear or unbelief. Intentional people live accountable lives. We live in the light. God is our father, but we live in a community and God places us in a community that is like, ah, oh, not so nice always because why? If you really live in community and you say, our father, there's no prayer in the Bible that says my father. It doesn't say, father, give me my daily bread. It says, father, give us our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. Lord, lead us not into temptation. Christianity was never supposed to be an individualistic relationship with God but when you're accountable it's not nice I, I received the email this morning I asked somebody I said like hey I've got some ideas you know would you please pray over it and this guy really when I when I ask him he prays I trust him with my life he's a guy that's 10 years younger than me but you know and he and I said to him please I've, there's some options there's some choices we need to make what what do you think about this you know some of these people so now he sends me this email. Halfway through the email, I'm thinking, you spring chicken. 
He says, no, because I think this one is better. This guy is better because your weakness is this, 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 this. And conflict is not, resolution of conflict is not one of them. You don't want, you, you, you know, the elephant grows in the room and he goes on like that. And I think like, who are you to say this to me, you know? And I'm realizing, but I gave him the right to say that. Now I need to work through my offense. Now that's just before the service, you know. Now I need to work 70 times 7 forgiveness. And I say like, I almost said his name. But I say like, you're you, you know, you spring chicken. And I said, what gives you the right to speak into my life? And I said, well, I gave him the right, so I can't be offended. But it's not nice. Amen. <laughs> and that's why you see people just run around from one church to another. And you can always ask them one thing. Ask them about their finances and ask them about their accountability. Yeah, but the Lord told me, okay, great. Who else did you consult? No, 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 but do you know? Does the people around you agree? Because the Bible says don't trust your own heart. It's deceitful above all things. So you're not scriptural. And then more than that, if God sends you, great. But what word did he give you? Where do you know to need to go and serve? <laughs> no, but, but you know, I don't like that people, you know, because no, no, no. But we live accountable lives. Why? Because we are people of the light. We're not people of darkness. The world does stuff in darkness and scheming and corruption and behind secrecy. Uh-uh. Christians live in the light. And then we invest in healthy discipleship relationships. We're intentional. That's why Jesus, when you go into a house, find that house of peace. If they don't, then just don't waste your time. <laughs> pray about who you should pray about. <laughs> and I'm not saying rejecting people because we're not into like deep like, oh, yo, yo, you're going to heaven. Oh, but the Lord really created hell for you. <laughs> you know, just go. <laughs> and that's unfortunately what sometimes some of the doctrines that run around in the town. It's great that you wrestle through election and predestination and God's sovereignty. But you can never violate the love principle of God. God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. From 1 Timothy 2 verse 4. You know, it's ugly how we become judgmental. We become spiritually pride, fool. The last one, and this is where I want to leave us with, is to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit is not just going to lead you to great experiences like the modern day charismatic church. What is a charismatic church? People that charis gifts, the grace gifts, that believes like 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14 talks about, about the gifts of God. What are the gifts of God? The gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Father, gifts of the Son and gifts of the Holy Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians 12, there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. The word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the gift of prophecy, healings, miracle, working of miracles, the gift of faith, discerning of spirits. There's nine of them. Maybe, I don't know if it's all of them, but at least there's a list of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of people are sort of saying, no, no, the first church needed that, and it's passed away because, hey, you know, Scripture was given, so solidio gloria, Scripture is the final revelation of God. We don't need it as the church anymore, and that's the biggest hogwash, because Scripture is very clear about the Great Commission. For all of us, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name you will cast out demons. My name you will heal the sick. For everyone. Amen? Can I get an amen? So we are not in that way reformed or in our theology, we are believing in the working of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of Christ isn't always just to make us have a great experience and for people to fall over or do weird things. In Luke 4 verse 1, then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Many years ago I prayed, I said, God... You know, I, I'm just a farm boy. I studied CA and all that stuff. But, you know, I'm a simple, uh, oh, you know, wh why did you choose somebody like me? And then the Lord says, because I was struggling and challenged with a massive intellectual stronghold over this town. If you didn't know, intellect is huge here. Because the first thing people ask you is, what did you study? What school did you go to? Sort of as if that defines you. 
And the Lord says, I've chosen you because you never challenge intellect with intellect. You challenge intellect with the Holy Spirit, working in the Holy Spirit. And I said, okay, Lord, that's it. I'll go for it. Trust you that what you say in Scripture, that will happen. And I remember stepping out. And there was this pastor's meeting. One of the most terrible moments in my life. There were a hundred pastors. And so now I'm just stepping out. I'm saying, Lord, I want to, you've, you've used me sometimes in the word of knowledge where just supernaturally you give knowledge about people. And um, so I'm, I'm trying to figure this out, you know. And so I started praying for people. And, you know, you, you're never going to discover. If you don't start praying for people, they're never going to get healed. Why? Because you're not praying for them. You must try somewhere, you know. <laughs> start in your small group. Start with the gifts in your small group. So I was just stepping out, starting to grow in it. And in this pastor's summit, now we're talking about mercy ministry. We're talking about feeding the poor. That's the topic of the morning. And in the middle of this morning, this pastor that I know, it's not a stranger, he stands up. And this is what he says. He says, um, I know it's got nothing to do with what we're sharing today, but I just want to say one thing. Those words of knowledge that see us get is really fake. Those words that he gets, I think it must be tested. Because I'm not sure if, he, if it's really from the Lord. And now he begins to go on and on. I'm, I'm sitting in the meeting. You know, it, it would have been nice if I wasn't there, you know. But I'm sitting there, I'm thinking like, maybe he didn't see me. Maybe he didn't. But I, I know I greeted him at the door. And then he looked at me and he was just gunning at me that accusation. Why are you here? You don't belong here. He's just looking after the sheep. So I sat there. I was so shocked. I was more shocked that nobody else, even of my own friends who were pastor friends, responded. Or just said like, hey, hey, I can vouch for him. <laughs> you know, I know the fruit of his life. I was just, I was shocked. My wife was next to me and she just, Louise just held on to me and we drove home. And so I'm just crying as I'm driving home. I said, I don't know what happened, but that was the worst moment of my entire ministry. Wanted to give up the church. Wanted to give up other Christians and especially other pastors. So now I'm lying awake in the middle of the night. I'm beginning to pray. And the Lord says to me simply, get up. Do you want people to vindicate you or do you want me to vindicate you? What did I tell you to do? I said, okay, Lord, this is the toughest thing in my life because I'm... All those words came, all these people said these things and all that stuff. So I'm sharing something very personal. Woke up that next morning, I said, okay, Lord, you said it. I'm going to be obedient to it. The school of the supernatural that we are training in the church today was birthed that next morning. The Lord says, sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you into the wilderness. Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted. Ooh, now the doctrine gets quiet. Because it's about trusting him. Since then, I've just said, Lord, we're going to go for it. Lord, we want to see your power. Because when I read Acts 10 verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That's what God said to me. If I'm with you, who can be against you? There's a fearless generation that's standing up and saying, we want everything that the Bible says. I don't just want parts. I'm going to be a fundamental because I believe in the Bible. I believe in Genesis. I believe in Revelations. I believe in the cross. I believe what Jesus died for. I believe that he did miracles because that's what Scripture says. It wasn't a figment of their imagination, and it is still happening today. There's a church that's rising up in the middle of Iran. There's a church that's rising up in South America, in the Middle East. It's not in the West. There's a massive revival breaking out, but it's signs and wonders. It's Jesus appearing to people. It's visions. It's dreams. Joel chapter 2 said it. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and they will see visions. They will dream dreams. They will prophesy. We are in the last days. But so we can be like, oh, you know, I want to be a control freak. Well, I'm going to let go and ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, I want to follow you. 
You know, I also went to a wedding yesterday. I actually go to a lot of weddings. I've done about 370 weddings and attended about another 90. I think I can say something that you can't say. Okay, but in any case, so around being my wife and I have been to about 460 weddings plus. And I've got these different categories. I shared it this morning a little bit, but you know, different categories of people, especially the guys standing in front of waiting for that bride to return or to come. And, and you get the, 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 some of the guys that just like, they are the weepy type. They just go for it, you know. You can just, they just look at the mountain and they start to weep already, you know. They're really in touch with their emotions. And I'm not going to mention any people, but I'm looking at some people here on this side. Okay, but in any case. So, so when he comes to, to the wedding, he already has 10 dookies and our handkerchiefs and stuff in. He just knows it's going to be streams of living water, you know. There's going to be a lot of water. He drinks five liters before the time because he's going to get, um, you know, struck by the sun and there's no sun even, you know. So the, cry, the crying type. And then there's the others that, you know, so occasionally they cry. But yesterday's wedding was a guy that I went up to him before the time and we went, spent some time last week. I just said like, you know, just, just make sure you have your tissues with you, you know. He says, I don't need tissues. I went to his best man, he had eight. I said to the one, please make sure you have tissues close by. I know this type. <laughs> what they normally do is they stand there and then they get like a, they're like all over the place, you know, just like let's focus, target orientated to focus, 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 let's focus, 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 and everything is in control. And then he realizes the car stopped somewhere there. Everybody starts to get quiet. Then he stands there and then the right leg begins to move. <laughs> it's always the right leg and the left lip, this part of the lip. <laughs> and then he gets to stare as if, and I actually say his name is Peter. I said, Peter, Peter, don't forget to breathe. Don't forget to breathe, you know. Because now there's this one best man, now the best ladies come in. And they come and stand here. And you realize this moment, it's real. It is real. And yes, she appears with the father. And then he goes like. And the next moment, it's like that damn wall just breaks. No more control. It's just like. <laughs> I told him to breathe. I told him like one, breathe, two, breathe. We normally go through breathing exercises with the guys, you know. It's the same like when you get the ladies get babies, you know. The guys need therapy long before that. Oh, hallelujah. I had this one big friend, tall friend, you know. When they did the sonar, you know, when they do the thing on the mother's thing like this, on the tummy, just to check if they, the baby, you know, what's the gender of the baby, he passed out already. <laughs> it's a huge guy, played very well rugby, they, they dragged him on his feet, you know, the second time with the next sonar, he passed out again, eventually they put out a warning and say, sir, you can't get into the maternity ward, <laughs> you know, we, we, we need to get the ambulance for you, you know, so, but, so guys... We operate differently sometimes, you know. Why am I saying this? Oh, yeah, I'm saying this because of this, you know. So we, we become masters at control freaks because we want to control and become professional Christians. We, we don't want God to move out of the box because if we control it, we sometimes create a safe space, a comfort zone. And the Lord is about to do things in the church. And that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus did not respect the culture of the day. In certain ways he did because the Old Testament showed to him. He didn't come to destroy the law, but the law showed and pointed to him. And so when we live intentionally, we're not driven, but we're led by the Holy Spirit. 
And so there's a guy here, I'm going to not look at him at all, but it's just so amazing when God works together. This week I had one of those moments when I was climbing with one guy up onto the mountain, and as we're walking through this road, I'm saying to him, Lillian, do you know what? Last night I had a dream. I dreamt of an eagle, and this eagle was trapped. Because the eagle went into a bush, but there was a trap put out for another jackal with meat, but it wasn't for the eagle. But the eagle just wandered off and got there and got trapped eventually. And so I dreamt how I got into the scene of how we loosed this eagle's foot, this beautiful eagle, big eagle. The eagle reversed, and I was like, thinking like, whoa, this is a moment. And then eventually the eagle flies off. So now I'm saying, I don't really know, but I'm going to just share it. So I shared it with a guy eventually um, as we walked down and just make a declaration of God's truth over his life. I think in my mind, I think like, Lord, you know what? I believe in signs and wonders. Please confirm what we've done here today. So we walk down, we're up there in the mountains, then we, we get to this dumb reservoir area, and we just sit there with, and the next moment comes this eagle. And he flies, and he comes to sit right in front of us, and he drinks from the water. Then the eagle gets up, flies right at us, and flies around us three times, and then flies out again, comes back again. And I say, thank you, Lord, for signs and wonders. Because God is not a stranger to where you're at and what's happening in your life. But you need to let the Holy Spirit into that control area of yours. <laughs> Lord, tonight I know you're not sleeping. Speak to me in dreams and visions. What's the chance? There's no chance in the kingdom of God. Will you stand with me tonight? Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.